Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into Attacking Third. This is our Monday edition. I'm Jenny Chu here with Lisa Carlin, Kalia Ojai, and Darian Jenkins. We hope you had a lovely weekend. How was your guys' weekend? Jenny, so I was the one with the name change to start the show. She did get married. <laughs> We're walking out right here. But I give you a pass because you've known me for so long. <laughs> oh, my God. It's been the running joke that it's Sorry. taken her a bit to get our names I don't down. get so married names ever. I do the same with players. I'm like, I cannot you remember You know what just name. happened is I looked at you and I felt like I said something wrong. Did you see my face? I saw your face. I was like, I said something wrong. It's okay. I love Ohio. Well, it was great. Now we got a good laugh. Yeah. We met in college, so she was not married at that yes. point. That's who you still are in my head. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. Shall we go straight into the news since I just yes. that part? <laughs> We're going to go ahead and start in NWSL, where three clubs broke their single-game attendance records this past weekend. The OL Reign had over 34,000 fans in attendance at Lumen Field for Megan Rapinoe's last regular season home game. The game also broke the NWSL's all-time single-game attendance record. The North Carolina Courage and Kansas City Current also broke their single game records with over 10,000 and 15,000 fans in attendance at their respective matches. These records go on to join Gotham FC and Racing Louisville, who also set all-time highs for home games this season. This is all great news for the league and for the fact that all these local markets have all these fans. Yeah, it's really fantastic to see. I mean, OL Reign, the fans really showing out in the Pacific Northwest. That's an NWSL record. And, of course, it was all for the icon, the legend, the GOAT, Megan Rapinoe, as her, she played her last home match there in Seattle. But across the board, this sport is growing. And mm-hmm. it's evident when you go to games and when we're here sitting talking about games. But to actually see the tangible numbers and the ticket sales and that it's not just season ticket holders and super fans that are coming back, but it's growing constantly and people are tweeting that they're at their first ever NWSL game. And that's so special because I would love to go back to my first ever NWSL game, but I want to see those numbers continue to go and push the boundaries. I think it goes to show too that it's, you give these players and these teams the right marketing and people show up and you supply the right stadium where Mm -hmm. there's enough fans to actually fit in the stadium. Like some of these places are gonna need to grow, Mm -hmm. but I I love that the game's growing so much. Like I know Kaylee, we've played in the league and played in front of like a thousand fans at one point, just because it's not advertised enough. So finally, the the league is out there, the games are out there, it's becoming more accessible and the fans are showing out. We love to see it. I saw a really cool stat over the weekend 
Megan Rapinoe's debut game, debut home game in Seattle. I think there was about 2,000 fans there. Did yep, you guys see that? Yeah. And then to see this, it is so cool and evident what she's done for women's soccer, but how much it's growing across the entire league. Yeah, oh, that's a, about a decade of difference. Mm -hmm. um, for that to be so much is just absolutely beautiful. But we talk about Kansas City breaking records this weekend, Lisa. Um, they have a new stadium yeah, in huge. the works. But yeah. the, their next home game will be at that home stadium. And it's the first ever women's professional stadium built for a women's soccer team. Which it's, is incredible. It is so incredible, the work that Kansas City's doing there. And, and they're creating noise, right? They, they had a sellout game over the weekend. And their brand new stadium is going to be 11,500 strong. So it, it's lower than their attendance that they had this past weekend, which I think a lot of fans are looking at and circling and saying, hey, what's happening here? You're building this. But the stadium is built so that they can pack it mm -hmm, every yeah. single game, game in and game out, so they can get season ticket holders there. Yeah. There's also standing room that they can expand to and have fans come and stand at high tops and tables and restaurants, and it's it's really fantastic. I've had a chance to view it and, wow. and tour it. Um, it's really cool. They're doing special things in Kansas City. My hope is that they continue to sell it out all season long and they have to expand it, and they have exactly. the ability to do so. So once they do have that kind of uh, community going out, which Kansas City, we've seen from Ali Trost Martin, they have have a community of football fans there, so it's going to be really exciting to see that need for expansion if yeah. they continue to sell Over those 15, games Over 15,000 this yeah. past weekend yeah. at a game that Kansas City had already been eliminated, and they're still getting 15,000 plus at the stadium. That's fantastic. And the best part, nine goals scored in that yeah. game in one oh, of 15,000 fans. If it was uh, someone's first NWSL game this weekend and <laughs> yes. they were at that yeah. match, yes, exactly. they're coming back. Yes. <laughs> they're coming back. Well, next weekend, eight teams will battle it out for four playoff spots in this season's last match day. And in MLS, we call that decision day. So we were thinking NWSL should be a little bit different. This last match day, what should the name be? Kalia Watt. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so I have to admit, I saw Sandra's tweet and I saw a response from Warrior Rabbit. Warrior Rabbit, if you're out there, thank you for this. <laughs> NWSL FG. LFG is my yes. favorite phrase ever. I use that all the time. So I'm going with that one. I okay. like that. NWSLFG. Like yes. yes. I get it. I like that. I like it. All right, Darian, what do you got for us? I used a little help from my friend ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> ChatGPT needs to sponsor you. I don't know right, if that's a thing. Right. But. Please do. Um, also kind of scary. But yes, I used ChatGPT. They came up with 50 names. I picked one. NWSL Quest for the Crown. Ooh, I, I like, like that. It's good. Blows, yeah. It does. Great. Like you that. and crowns. Crowns, baddies. Baddies, I, yeah. I'm that logo had crowns on it, by the way, if you ever didn't see it. I represented it. <laughs> Did it really? It had two crowns on <laughs> it. Yeah. That's great. I, I like that. And I like that it's a crown because at the end it's a, yeah. it's a crown. It's a little play on words. Mm -hmm. That one's pretty good. good yeah. Um, all right, I like that. What do you have for us? So I don't. I didn't think we could stray too far from Decision Day because it still has to make sense. So I'm going to go with Destiny Day because these teams, it comes down to the final one, and it's it's their destiny if they're going to make it into the playoffs. Okay, like it. clever. Um, I was chatting with Adriana, one of our uh, researchers, and we were thinking something in Spanish works. You know, we have a lot of Hispanic and Latin people in this country. Uh, we were thinking it's almost Halloween. It's almost that time. Dia de los Muertes. 
Mm. I, I like that. that. I like, I like that. Love you know, that. some are saying goodbye. One. You're also some are living. You know, you, this is the meeting <laughs> of the two in in Mexican culture. So that's a good one as well. Uh, but we're gonna have to get Sandra's like when that. we have her on later on the show because yeah. this was her whole idea. Um, but up, ne up next, we're gonna travel across the pond to bring you all the highlights from the WSL's biggest matchups. There was a wild one between Manchester City and Chelsea. Stay tuned. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Drops here for Herbiger. Shoot, they say. Shoot, she does. It's back towards Kelly again, and she lets fly again. What a strike and what a goal. Oh, my word. It's an absolute cracker from Chloe Lacasse. Well, match day two of the WSL felt more like NWSL after dark. There were red cards, very late goals, and just absolute chaos. Lisa, will you go ahead and take us through Manchester United against Arsenal to get this started? This was a huge game, Jenny. Uh, Gunners, they pick up their first point of the season. It ends in a 2-2 draw, but we have to go all the way back to the beginning because this match started in the 14th minute. It starts in the back, and it comes up all the way Right there, a beautiful goal, incredible job. Um, Arsenal gets on the board first in this match, finding the back of the net, but it would not take long for Manchester United to come up. Leah Galton, a ball in over the top, missed by the goalkeeper. This is definitely more of a miss than it is a play, but Galton on the follow-through, she stays consistent with it. Both of them lose track of it. This was the equalizer for Manchester United. They head into halftime 1-1. A lot of conversation happening in the training room with both of these sides. However, Manchester United, they came out on the front foot, wanting to get in behind continuously. It's Melvine Mallard going for Manchester United, getting up 2-1 to get this late game winner or so we thought. This was the point in the game where Arsenal fans were wondering what was going to happen. However, they had Chloe Laclasse. She checks, Chloe Laclasse checks into the game in the 86th minute, Ooh. and a rocket of a shot. It doesn't get much prettier for, than that. It comes in the third minute of stoppage time at the end of this game to split points between the Gunners and United. I, I mean, 
it was a very big game. And it, it all started for Arsenal with six, six changes coming into the starting lineup. And that's how they, they continued to roll throughout this match. To start this kind of like time-wise, Cena Blackstinius' run to go all the way on that left side by herself and put that in the back of the net was incredibly impressive. No, that was a beautiful yeah. goal. Really great finish. I yes. think, you know what I love about this game too is the two different styles of play. Both of Arsenal's goals were both, uh, sorry, there's no bad goal. Goal's a goal, but <laughs> Arsenal's goals were like class, like technique, finish. Good, yes. Manchester's too, but it just showed how gritty they are. Mm -hmm, they were yes. really gritty goals. They didn't give up. It was really a lot of tenacity going in. Yeah. Um, but what a good game. High-scoring game. I love that. I know. Really yeah. good. Yeah. Really good. It definitely showed the different tendencies mm -hmm. of either of these sides. Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned the Black Stadium's goal to start the game. It, it actually started way back there before that highlight even happens. It's Russo who spins out of trouble. Mm -hmm. And she found herself getting into really good pockets of space throughout this game. I'm sure it's one that she's disappointed that she's not the name on the score sheet at the end of it. Darian, you want to take us through Manchester City against Chelsea? Because this one was crazy. 11 Ooh. yellow cards in this match. <laughs> what a match. I would absolutely love to. Yes, this game ended 1-1 um, with Chelsea coming up with the late equalizer. But, wow, what a game. Let's get into it. Uh, Manchester City started it off with this goal from Chloe Kelly. And what a finish. If you watch it back, there is a slight deflection. But how much power she gets off of this shot with taking a step back. She has a little bit of a shorter touch, takes that step back and still able to get that power on it. And then 90 minutes later with two red cards for City, Keating standing on her head the entire game, keeping City in this match. Guru Wrighton for Chelsea finally gets it in off of this corner. Mind you, City is down. They actually have a player off yes. of the field at that moment too. <laughs> so they're trying to keep the ball out, doing their very best, but Guru Wrighton staying gritty, gets the finish. Chelsea ends up tying it 1-1, but the craziest game. I could not believe how many cards came out, and City defended really well. I know that Chelsea ended up tying it, but having Khadija Shaw come in, and then they dropped into a really, really low defensive line, they were able to keep Chelsea out. They were. I mean, if you look at the XG for this game, for Manchester City, it was .56 for Chelsea. 2.1. Yeah, well, they have 21 shots in this game, Three and, of them and they were the lethal shots. Yeah. Oh, Three gosh. Three of them off the woodwork. But the fact that it took until they were playing 11 versus 8 <laughs> yep. for them to score, eight. Eight and eight minutes eight. of stoppage time added on to the end of it, and it took them six of that to even score, and it's a, a scrappy goal mm -hmm. at the end of it all. I, that's, like, the craziest thing, because Manchester City goes down a player yep. in the 37th minute. So Chelsea played majority of the game yep up a player and they still couldn't score. I think that says a lot about City's defense. Yes, and I, Keating, I have to give, give a huge shout out to her because she really kept them in the game. Chelsea was knocking on the door the entire match and she had so many great saves. I have to say, you know, I know we already had Christina Uncle on, so it's not the time for this conversation, but there are some of these yellow cards I just did not agree with. I know we're talking <laughs> about the time-wasting one, but there were others that I thought were weak. I was like, yes. why? Was but it happy. is the, yeah. the directive yeah. Of, yeah. of making sure and that more yellow cards. I was thinking, and these are not yellows. Seven yeah. cautions in one uh, match is a lot. And when it starts to change the game so mm -hmm. much and take players off the field, that's when you start to question, is this too far? Do they need to pull back on this new directive? Yeah, this story shouldn't be the referee. Exactly. At the end of the day. Yeah. Well, we'll talk to Christina Uncle a little bit later about that stuff. But Leicester City, top of the table, they won again. 
And Liverpool two for two as well. So lots happening in the WSL. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a very competitive WSL season <laughs> thus far. I know we're only two games in. I'm not trying to get everyone too excited. But up next, we're going to take a look back at the NWSL's weekend of action. And spoiler alert, everything is still left to play for on the last match day of the season. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Davis! And Louisville has gotten this back level! Again, lofting this in again. Morehouse there to punch it! It's over the line! Louisville has come all the way back! They have done the unthinkable! Sugita heads it in! Portland secures a spot in the postseason. Takes a lot to make me uncomfortable. (laughs) Success. Well, Match Day 21 was full of action, plenty of goals to talk about, lots of attendance records that we already got into, um, but San Diego and Portland claiming whole field, home field advantage for the playoffs, and the Chicago Red Stars are now officially eliminated from contention. Everything else, though, is wide open. Ladies, such a weekend of action in NWSL. you got to give me a quick favorite moment, Darian. Oh, I'm going to go with the Kansas City-Chicago yeah. game because <laughs> yeah. it was – chaos it was so nwsl like what that's the game where there's nine goals i love it that was my favorite moment kelia i have to go with angel city winning at the end like that savannah mccaskill is one of my favorite players to watch in this entire league so i was very happy for her yeah both really good moments i gotta i gotta give sofa shout sophia smith got back on the pitch after 41 days an injury that Everyone thought was going to take her out for the rest of the year throughout the offseason, too. And she's already back out there kicking it. Seven whole minutes. You go, girl. That. Yep, you're absolutely. All of these are great moments. The Kansas City one for me, I was on uh, Scoreline mm-hmm. on Saturday night, and we turned it off and then turned it back on. And so many goals had happened in that <laughs> short span of time. I was like, I wish I wasn't doing this right now so I could sit and watch this game. It was so exciting. But let's go ahead and start with the highlights of Portland against Gotham. Portland was hosting, mm-hmm. and they got the win here. Darian. Yeah, Gotham lost 1-0 to Portland, and also Providence Park is a really, really tough stadium to go play in. The fans are so loud. Um, here it starts off with a, with a corner kick, and Coffee gets the ball back, and first time with her left, whips it in, and Hina Sagita is able to get around her defender and with a bullet header into the back of the net. And this is towards the end of the game, and it gave Portland the win. This was all that they needed. Um, then they sat back, just kept the ball in front of them, but a great win by Portland, and it's tough. It, she gets around Midge Purse. When you're a forward and you're in the back line, you're always kind of hoping for the best. When there's a corner kick, you're in the defensive end to maybe get a counterattack going the opposite way, and Gotham's such a counter-attacking mm-hmm. team with their front line. 
So you're kind of on your horse all ready to go. And I think with that ball being recycled in, that's how Hina Sagito was able to get around Mitch Purse and get that finish. This yeah. was a really big win for Portland because mm -hmm. not only do they clinch a playoff spot, but then as the results later in the weekend came, they, they clinch a top two spot. So mm -hmm. they get a first round bye. They get to host a semifinal match. And it's the Thorns' seventh straight playoff appearance. Like, what? Are you, like, That's domination. Stacked, yeah. stacked. Of the ten years that there's been a regular season and there's been playoffs, they've been in the playoffs for nine of them. And Sam Coffey, just such a young player. She's only in her sophomore season with Portland. And she leads the the league in assists. That was her eighth one um, on the recycled cross into the box for Sugita to get the game-winning goal. It's been fun to watch this team and, and the bounce-back win after losing 2-0 to San Diego mm -hmm. to get this dominating win at home. Yeah. It's the way that they wanted to go into the final two weeks of their season. Gotham's just trying to keep it interesting, though. <laughs> don't, don't sleep on Gotham. There's one more game on Sunday. Yeah, it's Come huge. To the stadium. <laughs> it's huge for them too because it is so difficult to play at their stadium. Mm -hmm. So getting that home field advantage is such a big mm -hmm. deal and whoever mm -hmm. has to go play there I feel bad for them. Yeah, that's a great point, Kalia. But the question about Gotham is, you know, they had plenty of shots and their XG is so low. Like, what is it about this team that gets a bunch of opportunities? I mean, this is not the first week where we've seen they get a ton of shots off. They get a lot of opportunities. They're unable to finish them, and that's the difference for them. No, it is. It's it's kind of been the plague of the latter half of the season for Gotham. But if you watch the build-up play for Gotham, I think that's something that was lacking at the beginning of the season. It was very transitional, uh, very forward heavy, kind of bypassing the entire midfield. And now Gotham's able to build a lot more between the lines. So I think it's just putting those two elements together. I believe they're going to peak at the right time mm -hmm. this Sunday. I think yeah. they'll get the win over Kansas City, um, which that team has nothing to lose. So I think... No, there's extra motivation to put some goals away, and I'm sure they're doing a lot of finishing practices this week. Well, talking about that match against Kansas City, we're going to talk about Kansas City's match this weekend. Kaylea, take us through these highlights where there was plenty of goals and lots of action. Yes, Kansas City beats Chicago 6-3. to we start off here. What a team goal this is. We didn't see it at the beginning, but Dabinia starts this entire play. What a beautiful finish. 20, 20 in, and we have Kayla Sharples. She's hanging on the back post. Great finish. Next, again, Kansas City. What a ball by Kristen Hamilton. And low, perfect finish. There's so many goals in this game. Again. It's not even halftime there, and it's already so many goals. This one just a sad mistake in the back line. Um, AD French lets it go under her foot. It, it happens, unfortunately. But Kalia, more goals. The Brazilian more. international wanted in on the fun. Yes, I actually started to feel for, for Chicago at this point because they need this win, and it just kept coming. There you see Bianca, St. George finish, and then here we go. Cece Kaiser, who had just been subbed into the game. She gets in on the action. 96th minute, we have another goal. It, they couldn't stop. They could not <laughs> stop. And in front of a record-breaking crowd, 15,000, what a game. Incredible. I mean, there's so many fun goals. And the six for Kansas City, 
six different goal scorers. Yeah. Like the names you're reading off are just incredible. The fact that they're able to have such balanced scoring and in a game for Kansas City, that didn't mean anything. This yep, meant absolutely exactly. zero. Chicago, meanwhile, they needed a win in order to continue and play on and Kansas City just squashes them. Darian, I'd be a little worried for Gotham. <laughs> Worry, Lisa. Keep that energy over there. Uh, no, I think it was a really good game by Kansas City and Chicago. What a variety of ways to score. Not one yes. goal was the same. And you're right, there were so many team goals by Kansas City. I think it's a really good way to end their last home game. A lot yeah. to build on. What energy to give this crowd with their new home stadium next year. Yes. I think it's great for them. And sad for Chicago, six goals. That really sucks to play yes. against but they got some on the board. They actually looked decent. This is one of the games where I, I thought that they played a lot better than they have in the past. And I think they need to take the positives and go in to bring that into next season. And you know we're gonna see a lot of change for the Chicago side. So I, I think it's a good energy for 2024. There's nothing more frustrating when you know you need to win a game and they you push forward, you're pushing everybody, mm -hmm. trying to score. And it's just not working. And they yeah. keep scoring and scoring. I really felt for Chicago after they turned this season around. Yeah, I did too, especially because you look at the players that they were missing for this game. No Tierna Davidson. She's still out with that injury. Um, Casey Kruger unavailable for this game. They are the cornerstones of Chicago's defense. And to not have them in a game that means so much, it – it shifted the entirety of Chicago's lineup, the players and the positions. They still played in a three-back, and Kansas City was able to pick it apart without those two heavy hitters in Kruger and Davidson. Okay, I know, I think Jordan said it a couple weeks ago, but now I am convinced Lola Bonta deserves a call-up. Oh, 100%. I, she does. Just watching her play and the she way does. that she helps her team around her, just the buildup that she creates. I want Lola Bonta on the U.S. Women's National Team. She needs a call-up. She needs a call-up. I, I mean, love that shout. Yeah. Yeah. She, yeah. The way that she finds herself open in this position, it's just a little hip swivel that opens her up, and then the defender is literally just left in the dust behind here. Watch this little hip swivel right there yep. that forces the slide tackle. Um, and then we don't get to see the full celebration at the end of this. Oh, always <laughs> a celebration. Back Flip, a backflip into a twerk. It is picture perfect. Lola Bonta. That's Bonta's not a backflip. It's a, a, a round off. Okay, well, I can do a, a backflip. Back <laughs> are very different, Lisa. I can't do any of it. And so I'm just impressed anytime soccer players bring well, out you the gymnastics. Saw Jenny doing a front yeah, flip. You, she you knows you how to Jenny. do it. I, we were doing front flips, and Lisa still called it a backflip, by the way. So just know that she has no Any sort of like body twist. It's a backflip in Lisa's book. Hey, I, like I do I do a lot of sports. I do soccer, <laughs> basketball, baseball. I don't do gymnastics, guys. I'm not there yet. All right, that was the fourth nine-goal game in NWSL history, and it was absolutely amazing to watch. There was so much action in that one. Let's go ahead and move to Kansas City again. Oh, that's the one we just did, guys. We're going to Louisville, Louisville against Orlando, Lisa. Louisville, Orlando, because this game also had a lot of fireworks. This game was at home for racing Louisville. This was a call early in the match, a penalty kick. It went to VAR. Marta finds the back of the net. That's in the 17th minute. Orlando couldn't be slowed down. It was all Orlando, and this time it's all Cariabello. This goal is beautiful. She gets Lester on the ground and then skies the shot. 2-0 Orlando. Louisville wants in at the end of it. Savannah DeMello against Bright draws the penalty kick. Nadia Nadim picks it up. She's ready to go. In the second half, Racing Louisville decided that they were here to pick up points. This goal comes from Kirsten Davis on the assist from Canoe in the corner. And then by the 74th minute, 
um, play still involved. This ends up being an own goal on Morehouse, the goalkeeper, but it all came from the corner kick by Pickett. Picorni is challenging against Morehouse, and that's what forces it. So despite Racing Louisville going down 2-0 early in this game against Orlando, they get one right back before the halftime, and then they decide to change everything in the second half, their mindset, their aggression in the game. They get a shutout and two goals in the second half there yeah. and then the win. That has Louisville in contention for a playoff spot. That win right there makes an absolute difference. And like Lisa said, from a 2-0 down, absolutely incredible to come back from. What did you see from this one, Darian? Oh, my pride girlies. <laughs> I really, someone, te someone texted in our group chat that was like, oh, your pride girlies. And then I turned the game back on and we had lost. Um, no, it's a bummer. I think that Orlando was built a lot this season. And one of the things that has been really difficult to get over is not letting not letting goals in in the in the second half. You know, they've blown the lead a few times this year. So I think that's just something to bring into 2024. It's not the end for Orlando. I still think they can do it. Um, but Louisville looked great. I mean, it's really difficult to come back from 1-0, 2-0. Um, and for them to actually get the win and not just a tie is huge for the club. Yeah, it's really big for, or, or for Louisville. They still have another game to play, though. Mm -hmm. And... and this match day for them is going to be really difficult. Match day 22, they're playing against San Diego. They need points, and they have to pick up a win. This was good for them, but if they start slow against San Diego next week, it's, it's not going to be, be good enough. One player I have absolutely loved watching on Louisville is Tembi Katlana. Oh, I, yes. I played with her a long time ago at the Dash, and she has improved so much. She is one of the most exciting players to watch, and I thought she played a huge role in this win over Orlando. I love that you say that she's improved, because I actually spoke to a player when Tembi Katlana came back to play in NWSL for Louisville, and she had been somewhere else, um, and they were like, I don't get it, this price tag. She's we played with her and she wasn't that great. So the fact that you say she's improved a lot means that she's made a jump because watching her, I'm impressed every single time. I'm thinking whoever gave me that info doesn't know anything about also football. Also, amazing new sources. <laughs> yeah, yeah amazing is. person. We had her on Attacking Third and she oh, loved amazing. every minute of that interview. Yeah. She's doing right. so much work for the community mm -hmm. and yeah. outreach. She and is. It's impressive. Speaking about your time in Houston, let's go ahead and watch Houston Dash against Angel City. This was a really good game. I mean, Houston getting on the front foot early in this match. Um, the Brazilian, she goes for the nutmeg between June Endo's legs and finds the back of the net. And then Angel City wasn't done, though. Alyssa Thompson comes in as a substitute, and she says, hello, I'm finding the back of the net. Don't forget about it. But Savannah McCaskill, I think, had the assist on that goal, and then for this one, mm -hmm. She has the goal herself. Great match from Savannah McCaskill. I mean, someone who Kalia was talking about, just a great player. Finishes that one, and she knows what she has just done there. It was huge for McCaskill. At the end of the match, um, the broadcast got to talk to her and interviewed her, and one of the things she said was that in training, she's been working on her timing of runs into the box, and she's found that re-watching tape and in gameplay, she's often early to the play. So whether the ball is behind her or she doesn't get a great shot off. So in this game particularly, McCaskill was working on her timing, and wow. she timed it so perfectly to get the game winner. I was on the edge of my seat the entirety of this game. It was so entertaining. She's such a sophisticated player, and that interview does not surprise me at all because she, the weight of her pass, you saw in that final pass she had to Alyssa, she is so smart when she plays, and her movement, her ability to get in the box, I am so happy for her. This is what you play for, you know, to fight for a playoff spot, so... 
Yes, I'm a big Savannah fan. Me too, and she's a player that shows up in big moments. And talk about the timing of that. What a great team goal from Angel City. I mm -hmm. feel like we've kind of been lacking seeing that in their actual build-up play. It's a, little bit, a lot's been from set pieces or kind of 1v1 specialists. But for them to pick that ball up and have a little combination and then the timing of her run and the finish, she reads it. That's the thing. She's probably in early on all of these plays because she sees the game mm -hmm. a lot faster yeah. than those around her. But the fact that she knows that probably was like, oh, let everyone know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> what a great show. Yeah. Slow it down for them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The what a great show. Neither of those teams are mathematically eliminated. No. A lot has to go Houston's way for them to stay in it. But um, let's go ahead and look at the table heading into this last match day. Yeah, you look at Houston. They're number eight right now. And point-wise, they're right there. Just a few points off of that number six spot for them. Um, this is a chance for Houston to pick up points and to continue moving on. Uh, however, I think Angel City has has the better of them. They're actually a little bit higher in that table. Um, the chances for those teams to push into the playoffs are incredible. It's so close. Absolutely. Well, there are a lot of controversial calls this weekend in WSL and the WSL. So we have Christina Uncle, rules analyst, joining us next in regards to some of those decisions. Stay with us. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to Attacking Third. In both the NWSL and WSL, referees made a number of game-changing calls, some controversial, some not so much. But we have Christina Uncle joining us now to walk us through this weekend's refereeing and all the questions we have. Christina, we're coming with the heat today. There's a lot of questions. Are you ready? <laughs> I am ready. Let's go. All right. So first of all, Alex Greenwood, she gets a second yellow card for time wasting against Chelsea. And you know what? I even saw Chelsea fans upset about this one and they were playing against Alex Greenwood. So what do you have to say about this one and the, and the whole time wasting second yellow that gets her a red card and ejected? Yeah, so I actually went back to take a look at the entirety of the game to put this into context, right? This is the second yellow card in the 37th minute given to Greenwood for delaying the restart of play. Now, before I went back in, I did not realize it was the 37th minute of the game that it was given. So I went to go take a look to see, right, the scoreline at this point was 1-0. However, this is not where we want this yellow card to be. Is there a directive currently with the Women's Super League over there in England? The answer is yes, about time-wasting. 
typically where we see time wasting and the second yellow and the yellow cards being issued occur naturally at that like last half, right? The last 10 to 15 minutes of the game when clearly some of the dark arts are being tapped into. This isn't where you want to see a yellow card, let alone a second yellow card for the fact that not only was this issued and surprised everyone, I think the word injustice was used um, and understandably so. When we as officials are going to be giving cards for delaying a restart of play, we want to what we quote unquote call tee that individual up or that tee, uh, that team up by giving them plenty of warnings that by the time we issue a yellow card, nobody is surprised a yellow card is given for delaying the restart of play. And here, everyone was surprised. So um, unfortunately, the referee was having a very good game the first half. She had some very hit KMIs that she hit very well with yellow cards. This one wasn't, and she's definitely going to want to take this one back. And understandably so, I understand why fans are not excited by this one. I myself am not a fan of this second yellow card. Technically correct, but practically and within the laws and the spirit of the game, not what we want. Yeah, I like how you qualify that, Christina. It's almost like we needed a little bit of common sense led into that call because it was still so early in the game. It doesn't make sense that Greenwood would actually be delaying the game at that point. Her, her team still wants to score. Now, I want to stay in this game because there were 11 cautions issued. And you did mention that the Women's Super League has new directives this year to keep things under control a little bit more. But is there a sense of overcorrection that we could see throughout this season? There is and isn't, and it's because it's uh, Women's Super League and historically it's WSL, it, there's been under punishment, right? There's been very few red cards issued, and this is um, something that's kind of been an enigma with women professional sports leagues as well. Being Me being part of NWSL, the same thing. There was one year there was only two red cards given. I gave a red card and someone else gave a red card. My red card was when Marta choked out uh, Rachel Daly, right? <laughs> so I was there's there. unfortunately, uh, yeah, it was, I was like, wow, that's really happening right now, right? <laughs> so, um, all that being said is, unfortunately, for some reason in women's professional leagues, there's underpunishment that occurs. So the understanding is, you know, why is underpunishment happening, right? Are we, uh, you know, subconsciously, you know, giving in a little bit too much, maybe because of a subconscious gender kind of an issue or not, right? A tackle is a tackle. Misconduct is misconduct. So at times you do give this directive to the officials. Uh, I know Viviana Steinhouse over there, probably one of the best referees in the world, um, categorically, is giving these types of directives of saying, hey, we want to make sure we get misconduct correctly. We want to make sure we do time management. We call them points of emphasis as well. However, there's something what I call a yo-yo referee, meaning that they will hear something and they will go to an extreme, like a yo-yo up and down. And we have to find that happy balance. So we need to get from underpunishing and get away from overpunishing and find our natural you know, cadence in the center. Christina, I'm going to move over to the NWSL and you're talking about underpunishing. San Diego played North Carolina, and they ended up tying 1-1, but there was a moment where Caroline had a breakaway against Pogark, and she got taken out, and it was given a no penalty. What do you have to say about this? It was a really big argument over Twitter on whether it was a penalty or not. Yeah, I was actually surprised that the on-field decision before a VAR would review this wasn't an actual foul itself for a penalty. Uh, and yellow card here for denying obvious goal scoring opportunity, but attempt to play the ball because it was in the penalty area. I was surprised initially it wasn't given. Everything about that play when I was watching naturally, like you take a look right here, everything about this feels like a foul, right? It, uh, you see them battling for it. The more important part you need to focus on is not the upper body foul, the lower body foul, the right leg onto the left leg of Caroline right there. Um, during natural play, everything here felt like it should have been penalty and that should have been the decision on the field. And therefore, that's what the VAR should have been reviewing. The on-field decision was no penalty here. And so therefore, the VAR is reviewing it from that level as to whether or not it is in itself a foul, 
when you slow this down and you take a look at it, you make this argument that, well, maybe Caroline stepped into the space and, you know, you can kind of try to find justifications for it. But the expected call, and I think football expects this to be a yellow card, a dog so, and a penalty kick. And that's what, in my opinion, should have been the decision coming out of that one. Christina, it's great to see you again. There was a penalty called in the Chicago-Louisville game against Savannah DeMello. It was a huge game-changing call, and after VAR, they overturned it. What did you think about that, and did you think that was the correct call? Well, first of all, it's great to see you, and welcome to the dark <laughs> side of TV. You. And that is hilarious because <laughs> you were on that game when yes. we had a red card. Yes, partner. that was and frightening. enough, Rachel... Rachel actually did deserve that red card. Usually she does, but not on that. <laughs> like, she usually does something to deserve it, but not on that one. Uh, no, so this one, Chicago versus uh, Louisville, as you mentioned, in the 61st minutes. Uh, that play in and of itself, everything at the moment felt like it should have been a penalty kick based upon where a referee's positioning would have been, which would have been behind the play, looking through what we call the back of the numbers. That naturally would feel like it would have been a penalty in and of itself. I was, if you take a look right here, Look, everything feels like a penalty kick once again. You know, you have to use context clues when you initiate the same time of that contact. Now, when I took a look at the VAR output that was provided to the officials who overturned the, once again, the on-field decision was penalty. VAR recommended to overturn this decision, and therefore the referee did take that recommendation. I was surprised it even met the status of a clear and obvious error. When you really slow that down, you're dissecting at what point did she play the, did she play the ball before the other one? And importantly, did the majority of her leg get essentially the knees of that player? And the only camera angle that would give you definitive in this stance that we don't have here is that reverse camera goal angle from the goal line looking backwards. Since we didn't have that, I don't feel like the VAR had very conclusive and clear and obvious evidence to overturn what is a penalty kick and I think is what is expected in this game. Christina, yep. so in the look same... Right here. Okay. Christina, in the same match, there's another event that happens where Kanu kicks a very high kick and it's determined not a red card in the match. Uh, apparently, the mm -hmm. NWSL disciplinary went back and, and reverted that. Can you talk about that decision? Yeah, I was actually pretty surprised that they did revert that, right? So when you take a look at where Kanu was playing, it is in that attacking third right on top of the six. Uh, Keely can tell you about this, right? When you are a striker in a forward, you are doing everything you can to put that ball into the back of the net. And if you're a defender, you're doing everything you can to clear that ball. So the first question is, do both players have the opportunity to play the ball in a fair manner? And the answer here is yes, because of what is on the line, which is essentially a goal here in this situation, right? Um, anyone who's using the words of intense or thought, just erase those out, right? You have to look at it from a factual decision in and of itself. This, yes, even though there was boots to the face and we don't encourage this, right? But in this specific context, in this specific play, an attacker is going to go for a strike here and a defender is going to go for a header here. I think the yellow card was the correct decision in this play and not to escalate it to a red card. If you have this play and everyone says it shouldn't be different in the center of the field, well, it actually is because no player should be putting their leg up that high because you're not about to score a goal in the, in the middle of the field, right? So this year, for me, the preferred decision is for it to remain a yellow card, and the expectation from the referee community is that this is a yellow card, even though it looks bad and it's 
unfortunate. It's not really the best word to use because obviously my aces in the long game kicked in. But it's unfortunate scenario based on the context of the play. Yellow card is the preferred decision. Oh, I cannot watch that. It makes my stomach turn. Listen, Christina, I know that <laughs> you guys too. are the ones making the decisions. I'm glad you guys are the ones making decisions because for me, that's a red card. Period, period, period. But there are rules to abide by, and I'm glad that you're the one explaining that. But thank you so much for joining us and putting everything into context. Great to see you, ladies. Keep crushing it. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Sandra Herrera is going to join us next because the Red Stars were mathematically eliminated from the playoffs this past weekend, and she's going to tell us what went wrong, what went right, and where this team goes from here. Stay with us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Attacking Third. We now welcome in CBS Sports reporter Sandra Herrera. Sandra, earlier in the segment, we referenced to your tweet um, about NWSL having a different name than Decision Day because that's too MLSE, shall we say? We all had our names to pitch. I want to know what's yours. Oh my goodness. This is so like did prepare for the group project, even though I presented the idea <laughs> energy because that's literally why I tweeted it out. It was literally just a thought. And I was like, you know what? I got it. Let's workshop it. I got to get everybody in on it. Let's like make something happen together. Love a group project where I could just like present it and be like, peace. Well, but did you see any good ones? I will say. I will say there's been some good ones. Uh, I like that people really want to incorporate things like the chaos and just like how the energy is always uh, very unpredictable in, in NWSL. So I like that everyone's going around there. Shout out to uh, uh, to everybody who's been participating or do the, given the engagement, uh, given their replies. Uh, I'm, I'm going to maybe go with the turn up, though. People, so I think I like that one. Turn up day. Okay. Okay, Sandra. Well, for the first time since 2014, Chicago Red Stars are not in the playoffs. And I got to know, what happened this season? Just talk me through all of the ups and downs that happened this season, and we'll get into where they go next. Yeah, you know, it's... Um it's it's tough uh, to do this one. This is this is the team that I cover locally. Uh, get a chance to to cover pretty closely, um, and get to talk about their first ever elimination with with, with all of you. Um, it's it's it almost sort of feels a little bit weird that the Red Stars don't find themselves in, in playoff contention in this one because, like you said, Jenny, they've they, they've been there almost uh, what it feels like every single year. But I think maybe we can take a step back a little bit and kind of look into uh, last season a little bit and kind of maybe say, hey, there's the beginning of, of potentially the end here, the ending of, of a window for, for this team, unfortunately. Windows often have an end, and I think the Red Stars kind of started to see theirs shut uh, really, really rapidly as as of last season. It took them to the final day to uh, of, I believe it was their decision day in 2022, to go ahead and clinch that final playoff spot to sort of confirm their sixth seed, which was maybe a little bit out of the ordinary for them to begin with there, because this is a team that often found themselves within the top four of the NWSL. And even though playoffs have expanded, maybe you could have took a look at that and said, hey, maybe there's a little bit of low like uh, expectation that wasn't meant for this team as they weren't in the top four. They were only within the sixth 
seed because, again, this is a team that kind of bullied their way to the top of the standings uh, that constantly had a North Carolina Courage or a Portland Thorns as as the one or two and kind of maybe made their way as a, as a top three or a top four seed. So to kind of just hang on to that sixth place in 2022, I think you maybe kind of saw the writing on the wall. Given everything that was happening, not just around the club, but across the league with multiple investigations happening uh, and Chicago Red Stars just constantly named within all of those reports and or nationwide investigations. And sometimes it is just a little bit too much, an insurmountable mountain to climb. Sometimes you're just tired. And I think that's a lot to put onto the players or ask them to constantly perform in light of such ongoing negative things. And I think we saw the culmination of all that in 2023. Sandra, I think the future is really bright for the Chicago team. Next year, I think the personnel on the squad in particular is going to look vastly different, especially with expansion and trades and who wants to come into this team. What do you think this team is going to look like in 2024? Probably just as different as it did in 2023. I mean, you hit it right on the head. It's double expansion. I think this is final decision day that they have to play. And then it's game on, I think, if you're part of the new ownership group. Who are you going to bring in to uh, hire to those soccer positions? Talking to Laura Ricketts and, and the turnover and, and the transition of one ownership group from the previous ownership group. They have a list of things on their agenda that they want to get done. And part of that is making sure that they have all the resources for players, first, foremost, and number one. But then make sure that they get all those soccer decisions done correctly. They want to make sure they get into GM and other soccer-minded uh, executives in the roles that they need to be in in order to make sure that this club gets back to where they're used to being. Sandra, next year, Mal Swanson is obviously a free agent, and she is so important to this team. She, she's everything to this team. What do you think about her future in Chicago or well, where she will end up? That's a great question, Kalia. I think that's going to be one of those number one or top three things on their to-do list for the new ownership group, along with making sure they have all those resources and, and boxes checked off going into the 2024 season. They want to make sure they have the players to build around and build with moving forward. Her husband is a shortstop with the Chicago Cubs with uh, Dansby Swanson now playing over there. He's in town. I, I'm, I'm sure they are mutually a pair that want to stay in this city and grow something special. I'm, I'm sure you can attest to that as well, trying to have to go through those conversations as a unit and, and navigate your lives in a, in a mutual market. And so I think that's going to be a player that is high on their list of priorities to get things done. I get it, Sandra. There's a lot of free agents out there, and there are a lot of changes that will come in Chicago. But for you, as someone that knows this team inside and out, you cover them locally, what area of the pitch do you want them to bulk up on in this offseason? I still think they're going to have to target that front line. I think Mal Swanson is a great player to want to make sure that this is the, the the person, the athlete that you're sort of building the franchise with and around. But this player needs some help, and she's coming off of an injury. You also support also looks a little bit different sometimes, and maybe that support also looks like making sure you have extra players in support within that front line to go ahead and make sure to alleviate some of that pressure off of her shoulder. She's a much better player when she's playing um, without so much pressure and a little bit more freely. So I hope that they go out there and are able to get some more offensive pieces. We love to see it, Sandra. Thank you so much. I know this is a team you care dearly about with it being local to you, um, but we always appreciate your insight. Everyone, thanks so much for joining us today on Attacking Third. We're going to be back on Wednesday at 4 p.m. with more news, analysis, and everything from the world of women's soccer. We'll see you then.
Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.